Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories. San Diego is known for its rich history and vibrant culture. It's also known for having some of the most active haunted locations on the West Coast. Join us as we dive into the history of the Hotel Del Coronado and the tragic mystery surrounding the death of a beautiful stranger. We also explore what some say could be the most haunted house in the United States, the Whaley House. This is episode number 23 of Hometown Ghost Stories, San Diego, California. The Hotel Del Coronado, Thanksgiving Day, 1892. A 24-year-old woman arrived at the hotel and checked in under the name Lottie A. Bernard. She was alone and appeared to be upset, perhaps even sick. Hotel staff assumed that she was waiting for someone, but that person would never arrive. For five days, she would walk the hotel and check in with the front desk, seeing if somebody showed up to meet her. Each day, she was looking more distressed On the third day of her stay, she went to a pharmacy and picked up drugs for stomach pain. She informed the pharmacist that her brother was a doctor, and he would be joining her soon at the hotel. The next day, she went downtown and purchased a gun, which she said would be a Christmas gift for her brother. But on November 29th, she was found shot in the head, dead on the hotel exterior staircase, heading towards the beach. Her identity was revealed not as Lottie A. Bernard, but as Kate Morgan. She had used a fake name to check into the hotel five days earlier. The San Diego coroner determined that the gunshot wound to her head was self-inflicted and it was ruled a suicide. But many were skeptical of the findings and believed that there was more to the story. Kate Morgan would become known as the beautiful stranger. Who was this mysterious young woman? Why did she check in under an alias? And why did she shoot herself on the steps of the hotel? Local newspapers went into a frenzy of speculation, trying to figure out the truth about Kate Morgan. They speculated that she was waiting for her husband. They also said she was pregnant. In truth, it seems that she had recently given birth, but the infant died a few days after being born. It's said that she ran off with her brother-in-law, but after a fight on a train, she checked into the hotel by herself. She was suffering from stomach cancer. Many of the staff claimed that she could barely walk by her third day at the hotel. She never did check out of the Dell, and many say her spirit never left either. Her ghost has been rumored to occupy her guest room, formerly room 302, which is now room 3327. She's been seen in a black dress and her hat passing through walls, causing cold breezes to whip through the room. And many guests are woken by the sound of white noise as the TV flickers on and off throughout the night. Her ghost has also been seen walking the beach, her black lace dress blowing in the wind. Could her spirit still be waiting for her husband more than 100 years later? Or maybe waiting for her brother or whoever she may have been waiting for? You'll have to plan ahead if you want to stay in the beautiful stranger's room as it's in high demand. It's also pretty expensive to stay. But you could walk the beach outside the hotel, and you might not be alone. You might catch a glimpse of a ghost in a black dress, walking the sandy shores, waiting for her guest, who may have never shown up. Or maybe he did. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, San Diego, California.
Thomas Whaley was born on October 5th, 1823, in New York City. He took over his father's business and left New York in 1849, moving to San Francisco during the California Gold Rush. He would stay there for two years before moving to San Diego in September of 1851. He'd return to New York and get married before coming back to San Diego with his new wife, Anna, in 1853. Thomas would have a house built on the former site of the city's public gallows. The two-story Greek Revival house was designed by Thomas Whaley himself, and construction began in May of 1856. The cost of the house was just over $10,000. They would move into their new estate on August 22, 1857. The mansion became known as the finest in Southern California, with mahogany and rosewood furniture, damask drapes, and Brussels carpets. The Whaley House was a central pillar of the 19th century Old Town community, and is widely regarded as one of the most iconic landmarks in San Diego. In 1868, Whaley was renting the upstairs bedroom to a local theater troupe. They converted the bedroom into a theater with a stage and a few benches. 150 guests attended their opening night performance, which was a majority standing room only. Thomas Tanner, the operator of the theater, died just 17 days after their opening performance, and the troupe disbanded just five months later. The county of San Diego leased part of the property for $65 a month, serving as a county courthouse. Another part of the Whaley House was turned into a general store. Thomas and Anna had six children, Francis, Thomas Jr., Anna, George, Violet, and Corinne. On January 29, 1858, the Whaley House would see its first tragedy. Thomas Jr. fell ill with scarlet fever and passed away inside the house at the age of 18 months. Shortly after, the family's troubles would continue in San Diego when somebody set fire to the Whaley's general store. Thomas and Anna picked up and moved to San Francisco, leaving his business affairs to a Wells Fargo agent, Frank Ames. In the summer of 1868, Thomas returned to San Diego to fix up the house, moving the rest of the family back in by December of the same year. On January 5, 1882, Violet and Anna were both married inside the Whaley House. Violet married a man named George, and Anna married her first cousin, John T. Whaley. George and Violet's marriage would not last. After attempting to sever all ties with her new husband, she became distraught and could not handle her depression. Consumed by sorrow, Violet grabbed Thomas's 32 caliber revolver and shot herself right next to the heart in the backyard outhouse. She was taken into the mansion, but died 15 minutes later in the downstairs guest bedroom. She was 22 years old. Her suicide note read as follows. Mad from life's history. Swift to death's mystery. Glad to be hurled. Anywhere. Anywhere. Out of this world. The suicide note is a passage from a poem by Thomas Hood, Bridge of Sighs, which was often quoted by Edgar Allan Poe in his lectures. After the suicide, Thomas Whaley built a new house for his family on State Street in downtown San Diego, and the Whaley House would remain vacant for the next 20 years. Thomas Whaley's health began to decline, and he would die at his State Street home on December 14, 1890. His wife Anna died in Modesto, California in 1905. In 1909, Francis Whaley began restoration on the house, turning it into a tourist attraction. He posted signs around the property listing historical facts, and he would entertain guests by playing songs on his guitar. By 1912, Corinne, Lillian, Anna Whaley, Francis, and George all lived at the house. In 1913, Anna would die in the Whaley house at the age of 80. One year later, Francis would also die inside the house. George Whaley died in 1928, and in 1953, Corinne died 
also inside the Whaley House. The legendary Whaley House opened as a museum in 1960 with a living caretaker and has earned a reputation as being one of the most haunted houses in the country. Over the years, these walls have seen their fair share of tragedy. The death of Thomas Jr., just 18 months old. Violet's suicide. Francis. George. Corinne. All dying within the house. Many believe these spirits still lurk inside the Whaley House. But some say this house was destined to be haunted before it was even built. The infamous Yankee Jim Robinson was publicly executed on these grounds, as well as many others, as this area served as an execution grounds for the city. Thomas Whaley knew this when he purchased the property, but he went ahead with construction anyways. During its many restoration periods, construction crews noticed that they were not alone. They claimed to hear mysterious sounds while in the house. They noticed strange aromas and spotted shadows moving from room to room. Perhaps the most famous ghost on the grounds is the spirit of Yankee Jim Robinson, Jim was executed at the gallows where the Whaley House stands. He was convicted of grand larceny for stealing a rowboat. Yankee Jim Robinson was a giant compared to the average man at the time. The executioners underestimated his height, and when he was hanged, his feet hit the ground. His neck did not snap. Instead, he spent his final minutes in agony, being strangled to death. Many say he cursed the grounds because of his gruesome execution, or because he was wrongly convicted. Robinson's ghost has been reported to rush around the master bedroom with loud footsteps, making eerie noises, and even leaving disembodied footprints. He's been said to strangle guests or put pressure on their chests as they come up the stairs. The Whaley family was tormented over the years from Jim's ghost. The tiny footsteps of Thomas Jr.'s spirit have been heard. If you listen closely, you may hear him giggling or crying. The ghost of Violet has been seen on the second floor where she spent most of her time after her divorce before she took her own life. Her presence is felt throughout the house, but cold spots have been noticed on the second floor, where her ghost has also been seen. Others have seen the ghost of Thomas Whaley himself, wearing his coat and top hat, standing at the top of the stairs, staring down at those who visit the mansion. People often smell the aroma of cigar smoke from the ghost of Thomas, as well as a French lavender perfume, which was Anna's signature scent. The sound of children running up and down the stairs has been heard on multiple occasions. Even Dolly, the spirit of a dog, still roams the house, a friendlier spirit, known to lick your leg or brush up against you. Lights turn off and on by themselves. Crystals in the music room's lamps swing back and forth on their own, and long after the building closes for the night, many passing by report to see curtains in the upstairs window moving on their own, followed by a figure standing on the second floor staring out of the window at those who dare to walk by the Whaley House in the middle of the night. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, The Whaley House, San Diego, California. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined by Rob Coakley. What's up, Rob? A boat. We were hanging people over a, a stolen boat. 
What are we doing? doing? That's what they were doing. And I'm also joined by Dave Wilkins as well. What's going on, Dave? What's up? As I mentioned in the private chat, I am particularly glad they stopped hanging people for stealing rowboats. Dave Victoria's rowboat thief. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's an adjustment that I need to to happen. They, They would hang people for like anything back in the day. And obviously the laws have changed. And uh, poor Yankee Jim, that's a pretty uh, pretty gruesome story. We'll get to that one a little bit. I do want to talk about the hotel first. But uh, yeah, welcome in. Welcome to episode number 23. And uh, we're covering San Diego today. So that was, um, that was a fun one. It's a fun city. And I, I think I only covered those two locations because I want to do more on San Diego in the future because uh, there is plenty more to cover in that place, especially Old Town. Um, which is where both of these locations are. Actually, I think the Del Coronado might not be an old town, but it's close by. So both in San Diego, old town is like one big graveyard. As I was doing research on this thing, I guess whenever they would build a house or like dig a foundation, they would just find skeletons everywhere. It's not just in the graveyard. They're just all over the town over the centuries. They just keep burying people left and right over there, which makes it especially creepy for sure. Yeah. I, I'm glad you did this one, and I look forward to doing more in the future because just give me a reason to go back to San Diego. That's, that city's a blast. It absolutely is. Yeah, as we mentioned last week, we've been to Old Town. I don't know if you came to Old Town on that exact trip, but I've been there a couple of times. It is a very, uh, very fun place. Some of the best restaurants um, has still has like a Wild West vibe to it. It's the um, in the uh, Gas Lamp District over there in San Diego, Old Town, and a lot of fun it's a very fun city and i stood at the foot i stood at the i stood on the porch of the whaley house too scared to go in. i was too scared to go enough <laughs> it just didn't fit the time frame we were going out to eat so but that is uh yeah, sure that's the whaley house I, we'll, we'll get to the whaley house first i mean um later i do want to get into the hotel del coronado which is a pricey hotel this is another one and we mentioned this in the vermont episode where the room switched so it used to be room I think 302, and then it switched. I guess it switched a few times. I actually called the hotel just to verify because I was reading on a few different websites, and they all had different room numbers listed. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, what is the room number? So I called the hotel. She couldn't wait to get off the phone. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, because I, I, I just called to the automated service, and I'm just hitting all the numbers, just trying to get a live person. And she was like, uh, I was like, the haunted room was room... 302 correct and then it switched to 3327 i believe it is now and she's like the haunted room is 3327 i'm like but was it 302 before she's like it's changed a bunch of times over the years i was like all right well have a good day <laughs> like she could not wait to get off the phone with me but that's funny uh, when i called the um the hotel in stowe there the green mountain inn to book the haunted room the lady couldn't wait to tell me all about the haunted room it was like she was just like ready <clears throat> so it's funny. did you did you call that now just for just for future references, so we know how to do it right. Did you call the room reservation line, or did you just press zero to speak to an operator? Because I feel like she was frustrated that I wasn't actually booking a room at this very expensive hotel. Well, I, I called them; they just picked up. There was no automated anything. Ah, it must, it must have been nice that you called and they just picked up. Because I don't know if you remember this ordeal, but <laughs> I tried. You had to have me call because you couldn't <laughs> get through. I called like five days in a row couldn't get anybody and then dave calls once and it's just done and i'm just like are you kidding me right now what is going on it's the haunted phone line is what's going on at that mountain that uh stowe mountain green well, mountain, whatever tra- it is they kept trying to transfer you i'm like no don't transfer yeah. me it doesn't work they're like yeah okay 
Noted for future reference. Call a small, smaller, not as busy, not as expensive motel in the future. Uh, so the Hotel Del Coronado is supposed to be haunted by a few ghosts. And the most famous one is Kate Morgan, who is the uh, beautiful stranger, as they call her. And there was a book written about it, and that was the title of the book, which is how – I don't know if she had that nickname actually, before the book was written. Books, there's four books written about it. Uh, I actually read one of them a couple of years ago, so I thought it was pretty cool that you decided to do this one. Um, I think the fourth one is the one that you're referring to, the fourth book. And it was written okay. by one of her – guy who claims to be one of her descendants or – yeah, one of her descendants. Right. And um, uh, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I didn't like the book, but it was cool to see it, um, to see it uh, brought up yeah. again. Well, the story is very interesting. So there's a lot of mystery surrounding it. A lot of people think it could have been murder. And there's a few theories around why it might not have been just a, a suicide. Now, I think there's there's three likely scenarios. Number one is she just killed herself. I guess she had stomach cancer. She was in a lot of pain. Uh, she had just split with her husband, probably depressed. Um, she did pick up medication. She could have been heavily medicated at the time and shot herself. That's... That's what they determined. That's what the coroner determined was that it was a self-inflicted gunshot wound and she had shot herself. So that's a sad story. But there are other possibilities and a lot of people found this to be, they were just thinking that it didn't really add up. So you had a situation where I believe she ran off with her brother-in-law. So her husband's brother, she had left with him. I don't know if they had a relationship together or what. They were seen fighting on a train on the way to San Diego and then they split off. She went to the hotel by herself, checked in under an alias, which is that's like the key part there because if she's at the hotel and she's depressed, she commits suicide. Fine. But why did she check in under a fake name? Like she didn't want to be found. So the theory around it. So, all right. Possibility number one, she could have shot herself. Possibility number two, maybe her brother-in-law murdered her and Maybe that was who she was waiting for at the hotel and maybe he shot her. Maybe the brother-in-law thought, I don't know if he was married at the time, but maybe he thought his wife was going to find out about their relationship and he wanted to just end it. And maybe that's how he did it. The third theory is maybe her husband found out about it and her husband showed up and shot her there. And then I guess the fourth and weakest theory is that her brother did it since she was saying nonstop that she was waiting for her brother to show up, but he never did. Or did he? And he shot her for some reason. But I don't really see a motive behind that one. But it very well could have been the husband. Very well could have been the brother-in-law. Or most likely, it was probably just suicide. I don't think so. I think most likely she was murdered. The um, the coroner pulled the bullet out, and the bullet did not match the gun that she had on her. Oh, that's a big one. Um, so it is like 99% murder. And whether it was uh, her husband, um, Thomas Morgan, or the, um, the – it was this is weird. It's her step – mother's stepson or thomas's stepmother's stepson which would be thomas <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it all leads back to thomas <laughs> that's what it says but then Just a it, bunch of arrows go on to him his name is, yeah exactly uh the spider-man meme where he's pointing at himself <laughs> yeah. or like you have a detective wall with all the pictures of all the different suspects but all the red <laughs> lines keep going to thomas like wait a second i don't have any other connections here just keep going back to thomas the flow um, chart yeah so is that uh, the is that the alleged brother-in-law the brother-in-law is albert allen or i don't know it's, it's weird so the albert allen stepson of thomas's stepmother emily dickinson <laughs> allen morgan 
stepson of a stepmother is so redundant. So ridiculous. <laughs> Andrew said um, maybe she shot herself and tried to cover up the suicide by switching the gun. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe. Well, my my thought was until you brought up the bullet thing would be like if you're if it's the eight whatever the time frame is on this or any time really and you check in under a fake name maybe you just don't want to be fa- you know you're going to commit suicide you just don't want your body identified you don't want to put your family through that so yeah if we're going to lean into the the suicide side of things that's i mean that would be my theory behind that but if it's like a a bullet that doesn't match a gun that kind of makes it a murder mystery and uh, right but i know that the ballistics back then were not what, much like the record keeping, the ballistics were not what they are today. So, I mean, the coroner said it was not from the same gun, but maybe it was, and he just didn't know what he was looking at. Yeah, and guns back then, you could kind of load them with anything and shoot them, right? You could put like an old shoe in there and just fire that thing at yourself. Yeah, yeah a lot of old shoes it, getting yeah. fired around. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that. <laughs> a suicide. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and that'll do it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> Oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, so there's her ghost that haunts the place. There's some pretty cool stories. I mean, seeing, you know, a ghost in wearing a black dress strolling along the beach sounds uh, particularly terrifying, a little bit different than some of the other hauntings that, that mm. we get. And, but overall, the reports on her ghost is that she's a harmless ghost, relatively friendly. There's no like negative, no violence, no scratches or some of the other things that we usually hear about in these kinds of situations. And then there's supposed to be another room that's haunted. And the reason that I didn't include this in the episode was because the story was kind of similar to a point where I thought maybe they were just mixing up the two stories where it was a woman who found out she was pregnant and committed suicide inside the hotel. So I read that that was the same person that she that was one of the theories about Kate Morgan. Right. So one of the theories was that she was pregnant it seems like the more verified reports are that she had recently had a baby who died as an infant. And I mean, yeah, that, would, baby that would be Hall- Halloween that died two days later. Okay. So that would launch you into depression. So, so this, so if that was the same year, then Halloween baby dies, you know, a couple of days into November. And then she showed up at the hotel on Thanksgiving. So this is all a very short time frame, And, uh, stayed at the hotel for four or five days before she shot herself. So this is all within, you know, a, about a month that that could have happened. If that's the same year, I'm not entirely sure uh, when her baby died. But yeah, they they had said she was pregnant. That wasn't true. They had said uh, they even disputed the the claims that she had gotten a fight with someone on a train. It was just someone that was also wearing a black dress and a black hat. So that's that. So the other room that's haunted. Um, I can't remember the room number of the other one, but it was also in the 33. Do we want to call them live on air? No, we shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) They're so angry at us. Uh, The the other one that seems to haunt a room, there was a report from a doctor. And I guess this doctor stayed in the room and every, every night before he goes to bed, he lays out his clothes for the, his, for the morning in a very meticulous fashion, like lays out his socks next to each other and his pants and whatever. And I guess, Every morning that he stayed at the hotel, his socks would just be thrown about the room. So this ghost throws socks. And that's the only report from that room that I got. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. The sock ghost. Tossing socks. I was just about to talk about how I was glad we weren't doing any demon stories this week. And then 
I kind of want to tossing. I tossing. It's scarier than that. So you can you know see why I miss, I miss demons. You can see why I didn't <laughs> this, make it. This into sounds the like story. a uh, a classic Earthbound spirit that maybe doesn't know she's dead. So you get these theory behind Earthbound spirits is just somebody who dies in a sudden crisis situation, like suicide or murder, and the spirit lingers behind, whether they don't know they're dead or they're just trapped at the location that they died in. Mm-hmm. So that sounds like what that is. Hence, no demonic scratches, no anger, no bad energy. Right. Just a sad ghost. Sad ghost strolling the beach. No, but it, but it is nice to like get away from some of the heavier stuff that we've been doing and get some more of the like. I don't want to say normal hauntings because what is a normal haunting? But kind of a kind of a harmless haunting. Now. Yeah, harmless like that normal paranormal. Not, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, I just it's nice to get back into this occasionally. Mm-hmm. So that's the Hotel Del Coronado. Like we said, uh, you can stay there while I was on their website, just looking for a phone number to call and then get rushed off the phone. Uh, it looks like rooms are going for about like six to $700 a night. So Jeez. it's pricey. It's pricey. But you can walk the beach and see if you see her Great. wandering on the beach. I better get haunted for six or $700. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a pricey rate for for uh, a a quiet night if nothing happens, you know. I want my toss to I want my socks <laughs> to be tossed. <laughs> Guaranteed. All right. So that's uh that's the hotel Del Coronado. And then the other one that we uh that we covered was the Whaley House, which was a highly demanded location. And this is one of the more popular ones. It is claiming to be the most haunted house in the country. Not the first wow. time we've heard that on the show. So <laughs> there's uh We did it. We found the most haunted house in the country. Mm-hmm. Again. We've done it again. We everybody. do it. At, yeah, we're very good at uh, finding that same conclusion. But <laughs> there's always a website that will say that a certain place is the most haunted place in the country, and this is another one. So the, I mean there's several people that died in the house. A lot of them are not under mysterious circumstances. Obviously, you have the tragic um situation with the baby. And then you also had the suicide. So this is the second suicide we're going to talk about here. Technically well, the third, actually. That, but, that note was like, as that note aired, I was like, man, that is like the creepiest thing we've we've posted on this entire show. You yeah, know, when like, I was when I was reading up on it, and they came across the suicide, and I was like, oh, this is going to be this is going to be stupid. But then it was like so dark. I mean, it's from, you know, if Edgar Allan Poe is going around quoting this exact phrase that it's, it's going to be dark and creepy. And um, Edgar Allan Poe is kind of the king of that. Edgar Allan Poe didn't write it, but he, I guess when he did lectures, he would, um, he would quote that, that exact quote. And he would use that as a description on how you could paint with words. And um, so he was a big fan of it. And it definitely, was one of the creepiest things she could have wrote down for sure. So that's the, um, the suicide there. And I mean, like I said, there's generations of people who died at this location, but they had the family had the house for so long that whenever there's one family in a house for that many years, people are going to die there. Um, I had seen reports that the entire family died there, but when I did a little bit more digging, turns out a few of them died just in other places around California. So not 100% of them, but enough of them to where you can come up with a haunting. And then the other theory, the more, I think the more dark history of that house, other than the deaths that happened inside the house, is the fact that the grounds before, which I kind of redundantly said in the episode, were um, the gallows. They were the public um, 
the public gallows. So the city would do executions there for everything leading up to stealing a boat. Yeah. And then some, and this was, this was interesting. So it was, he bought the land. He knew it was public gallows. I think he probably got it at a discounted rate. Absolutely. Because who wants that land? So So he actually attended the hanging of Yankee Jim. Jim. Yeah. And he left town and then came back and bought the land. And I think that this was premeditated. He was like, I know what happened here. I can probably get this at a discounted rate because of it. 100%. Because he's a smart guy. Yeah. So he he went to the execution, um, which means, I mean, Yankee Jim could have saw him. They could have been looking at at each other when he died. And the way that Yankee Jim died was brutal. Brutal. He was too tall. So his feet hit the ground. His neck didn't snap. And he just strangled, strangled, you know, just choked to death. All I can think of is the scene from Green Mile where they just kept electrocuting the guy. And mm-hmm. then at the end of it, they're like, it was a success. And so, I mean, a lot of people think it was cursed either from Yankee Jim or, or whoever. And I didn't touch on it too much in the episode, but in the, the files that I was reading up on, apparently Yankee Jim's ghost haunted them every single night. It started with uh, Thomas and everyone else in the house would hear it. But Thomas thought he was targeting him where every yep. single night he'd be laying in bed and he'd hear these big footsteps, you know, from Yankee Jim's giant feet in his big old cowboy boots. And he would just thumping up the stairs. It would walk down the hallway right up to the master bedroom and it would just stand there. And then it would turn around and walk back down the hallway, back down the stairs and be gone. And the first night that it happened, he's like, what the hell was that? And then uh, it wasn't until like the second or third night that he mentioned it to his wife. And was like, are you hearing this too? And then she started hearing it. And then the rest of the family started hearing it. It was every single night, the ghost of Yankee Jim Robinson would come and visit and he would walk up the stairs and slowly down the hallway. And it's such a creepy, such a creepy story. And um, it happened for years and generations. They said that they, they would keep hearing the footsteps of uh, Yankee Jim Robinson's big giant boots. I mean, as somebody who's experienced the the walking down the hallway multiple nights, mm-hmm. it's one of the creepiest things you can experience. Like, it's just, I, I try to explain to people and I don't, I, I don't know if it's easy to interpret, but a lot of people think they hear people walking around a house when they just hear like a floorboard move. Mm-hmm. And what I try to explain to people is like, specifically, I always tell them about the night you were over and I pointed it out, you know, I didn't even have to point it out to you and your wife. All, all three of us heard it at the same time. You right? don't hear a floor cre- creak. We could hear an actual person walk mm-hmm. down a hallway slowly, take a right. Cause the hallway was built like a T almost. So we would start on one end of the T walk up to that intersecting part, take a right and go all the way down the hallway and you can hear them actually mm-hmm. walk. So, if you're just hearing a creak and you're like, oh, my God, it's a walk. No, you'll know when you hear somebody walking down a hallway. Exactly. It's- and a lot of times with some of these older houses, the floorboards can pop and that can yeah. cause the ones next to them to pop as well, which would sound like someone walking or even running up or downstairs. And but what's what kind of debunks that in in your house and in that exact situation was the fact that it took a turn and then walked down another one. And I don't mm-hmm. think that could happen. I mean, I'm not an expert on floorboards, but I don't think that. You know, but it, it every slowly, night, methodically yeah. takes the same turn, and it's it was uh, it's something that we've heard. I mean, we heard footsteps at the Houghton Mansion as well. Um, mm-hmm. it, 
it's one of the most common things with uh with haunted places is hearing footsteps and those aren't the only footsteps that they hear at the whaley house so they also hear um lighter footsteps faster footsteps that they assume is is one of the children um they do say that it would be i think it was was it thomas jr that was the the baby i mean he's 18 months so he's probably walking by that time and or could have been but they they hear him walking up and he's usually on the stairs goes up and down but it's like a lighter it's a, it's a distinctly different sound than the the bigger heavy footsteps the thing of, with older houses and older buildings is when they were built and this is opposed to newer buildings where they're using like ring shank nails to to uh, secure all the boards they used to use cut nails which were literally just made by a blacksmith and they have like a taper like a taper like this and mm-hmm. they go in and anytime you get any sort of temperature change, that nail will just do a little pop and it'll just sound like somebody's stepping on the floorboard. Um, so I feel like in these older houses where it's more common to hear, you know, ghost footsteps, nine times out of 10, you're hearing cut nails popping. Could happen um, for sure. Well, that that's what the point we're making. There is a distinct difference between hearing that and hearing a clear pathway being followed is, yeah. what, we're, is what we're saying. I didn't say 10 times out of 10. I said nine times out of 10. All right, relax with your blacksmith facts. Yes, and your dentist ratios. Anyways, the... (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, but but the the distinct thing that's common with the house in Bridgewater that we were talking about and then the house in San Diego that we're talking about is the path that it would take. So the path that it would take at your house was that, you know, right hand turn down the hallway. And then in this one, if the reports are true, go up the stairs, down the hallway, stop at the hall, stop at the doorway, turn around, go back down the hallway, go back down the stairs, which is, and if that was the path it took every night, then I don't think those are nails making that sound. Yeah. Going back to the child, I've also read reports that, you can hear the child like as he's moving, you can kind of hear like a, like a faint childlike laughter, mm-hmm. which is terrifying. Right. So you can hear him laugh and I guess you, you can hear him cry as well. And then there's the, the smells as well. So you have cigar smell, which, um, nails, definitely nails. Yeah. <laughs> so they get the, the scent of cigars. Uh, it's a museum now. There's no smoking allowed. So no one's in there smoking stogies or anything like that. So you get the, the smell of cigars, and then you also get the the distinct smell of a certain kind of perfume. Was it lavender? Because it's always lavender. lavender. Yeah, it's just lavender always perfume. lavender. Mm-hmm. Did nails smell like that, Dave? <laughs> Sometimes cut nails. <laughs> okay. Do <Cut> okay. <laughs> blacksmiths use lavender nails on the floorboards? <laughs> no, they wear lavender perfume always. So um, that was um, uh, the, the perfume ahead. stuff. Is the like so of all the stuff we've experienced, I've never experienced any of the smells. Like, you know, where you see these people talk about smelling certain things. I've never experienced that particular thing. So it'd be pretty cool to, to one day come across that. Right. And then the big one in Amityville was the perfume smell. Oh, a little teaser for next week. I like it. Um, yeah, I haven't experienced that either. So, and then, you know, if it's cigar smoke or cigarette smoke or something, you immediately need to do a perimeter around the house and make sure there's not, you know, some janitor outside just ripping butts or something. Right. Well, only janitors smoke cigarettes, so that's true. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but the um they get those reports, they get another one that this is a the second one that has a chandelier moving on its own. So I guess there's uh crystals that kind of hang from the chandeliers and they'll start dancing on their own, which is um uh which house also had that? I think it was the Whispers estate that had it, but they had someone that like it looked like someone slapped the chandelier. Mm-hmm. So you get that. Um, but there's, there's a lot of ghosts there. And then the other one is Thomas Swaley himself, who 
uh, seems to frequent the top of the staircase and he'll just be standing there. There's a few people that have seen the ghost. I guess they see him wearing his coat and his top hat. And we try to include a couple of pictures of him with his, uh, his famous top hat there. So his ghost is there. And then the other thing that Yankee Jim will do is there has been reports of him strangling people or when they go up the stairs, they'll feel like a heavy pressure on their chest. I was just going to ask you about that. Cause I, I mean, I know we, we said this isn't a demonic episode, but we have, we, I have heard the reports about him being a little more, you know, aggressive, aggressive than some of the other ghosts that are in the house. So, right. Well, that alludes back to the way that he died as well, because mm. I mean, he died from being strangled. And then if he's strangling guests, they're, they're feeling what he was feeling. Um, what I say is demonic. I'm not sure. I'd have to look more into it, but yeah, I, I, but it's, it might not just be Yankee Jim because he's not the only one that was hung there. It's just, he's the most well known of all of them. And that's the one that they thought they saw. They're not disputing that some of these other people that were hung there could be, you know, lurking the grounds of the, of the state. Yeah. So we, we have no idea what other spirits might be haunting this thing. So they think a lot of the Whaley family does, Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they, there are different characteristics from these spirits that they, they'll say, oh, well, that must be the ghost of the baby. This must be the ghost of um, Violet or whoever, uh, Yankee Jim, Thomas, Thomas Jr., whatever. They have different, when something happens, they're like, oh, this is him. This is the area that she stays on. I, I guess Violet would stay on the second floor a lot because that's where after um, her and her husband kind of split up, that's where she just basically secluded herself up on the second floor there and just isolated and just stayed there. So I guess that's where she frequents, but they say she could be anywhere on the house and she had actually shot herself in the backyard. So I don't know if there's anything going on with them outside, but overall there seems to be multiple, multiple spirits there. And then they don't really know what the actual number is. Cause again, it was a gallows. So who knows, who knows how many could be there. And Yankee Jim's buried right down the street. Uh, we had a few photos of his grave there mm-hmm. and that's the, uh, that's the Whaley House. Any uh, anything you guys thought was uh, particularly cool or special about that episode, or that the those locations that you want to dive a little deeper on? I don't. I. I mean, I like the. Uh, I mean, I don't like it, but I mean, I, super interesting. We always have like Indian burial grounds, graveyards, blah blah blah. I think this is definitely the first uh, ex- execution ground that we've covered. Mm-hmm. I think that I know of. And I think that's I think pretty so. interesting. Well, other than the prisons that we've covered that would just execute them within the prison. True. That's a good point. That is a good point. But uh, yeah, a lot of, you got to wonder how many prisons. Oh no, we, we did have, we had like a, there was a wall still left over. Yep. Oh, that too. Yeah. That wasn't technically yeah. a prison, but that was definitely an execution ground. Oh, there was a dungeon in the castle, right? Or something like that. Yeah. I'm also, remembering. Also, the um, oh, the, the holiday in, in San Antonio, uh, Andrews, right now. The the family stuff where you have, yeah, I mean, if you have a family that's living in a house for so many years, like generation after generation, it's it's more than likely that they're going to haunt the place, and that's, I mean, it's just the way it should be theoretically, right? You're just so attached to this one location mm-hmm. from from birth to death that. If you're gonna go back to any place, it's gonna be something like that. Even if, even if you 50 years old and you sold the house, but your family's been attached to it for 150 years, that you die 20 years later, there's a good chance that you're still gonna go back to that house, right? Wouldn't you right. think so? Yeah, Absolutely. I would. And there's the in the the theory of 
earthbound spirits that die in crisis situations, you take, you know, an execution ground where all these people died in the exact same spot in the exact same way. All of them are going to be, you know, all of them are going to fall under that category of earthbound spirit that died in a crisis situation. So Mm -hmm. Uh, Stephanie says, I wonder if there's a mass burial on the grounds of the Whaley house because of the executions. I would assume, I I would assume. Yes. I mean, like we had said, with Old Town and this this whole district, the whole city is a, 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 basically a, a graveyard where they just they would bury people. I don't think they were taking the criminals that died at the gallows and just burying them directly right there. I guess it was a graveyard just right down the street, so they would bury most of them. That's where Jim is buried, and that's where a lot of the criminals are buried as well. So, depending on how far back, the, it's uh, likely it's likely that they that there are bodies buried under there. Depending off how far back those that hanging the, those gallows went, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't know. They might have had just a big mass grave burial pit that they yeah. stuck people in, you know, and could have just dug a hole right there and uh, just dumped them right in there, right after the executions. Uh, I would say it's probable. That would be my guess on that. I don't know if they've done any kind of ground penetrating radar to see if there's uh, any earlier, kind of skeletons up left and right in this town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, anytime they put in a new property and start to develop it they they come across skeletons so it's definitely uh definitely a very haunted area there there are several other locations that are haunted but like i said we'll we'll save that for another episode yeah for sure. some, of the, some of these bigger cities we're gonna probably come hopefully we're doing this podcast for a very very long time and some of these places like san diego we could probably do a 10-part series on we get to new orleans we could probably do a three-year freaking project on you know there are podcasts out there that just literally base themselves out of one city yeah and they just every week they just cover a different location in their own city and it's there's endless content for this genre which is nice so we will be so. doing this show until we are a hundred basically mm. and then maybe we'll be earthbound spirits that don't realize we're dead and we'll just continue on with our podcast yep. and hopefully you guys will still be like subscribed and commenting on every show so <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that's right. Damn it. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that's San, that's San Diego. We'll call it part one of San Diego, uh, old town, the gas lamp district. That is the Whaley house. I did a good job. Oh, good job. Just, yeah. Well, no, I was, I was in the <laughs> middle of my time. I would have said it for you. Hey, I, did a good job. I, just, I was waiting for you guys to thank me. No, but I did a good job of not calling it the Waverly house once. Oh, because job, I yeah. had just done I Waverly. wanted to do that as well. That's why I, was, I almost texted you. I'm like, why are you doing all the W's? Oh, well, not even that. I just, it, it, I had to go back and, and double check over the recording to make sure I didn't accidentally say Waverly. And then as I was typing this episode, I'm like, why is it giving me a red underline on Whaley? That's I'm like, Oh, because I typed Waverly. Like I literally almost typed it in the episode. name. <laughs> I was like, damn it. Yeah. So that is uh the Whaley house and the hotel del Coronado Two re- very cool um, stories with, uh, with a lot of ghosts, a lot of ghosts. So, um, that's that. I want to thank our new patrons. We have a couple of them. So I regret to inform you, Dave, that one of our patrons, uh, spent a little bit more money to refer to himself as Dave sucks going forward. So his name, he will be called Dave sucks going forward. And that's that. If you, uh, I guess that's a thing that you can do on, on Patreon is you could choose your own username. Yeah. And that's that's what it is. And that's a special request. We grant all special requests as long as they involve us telling Dave that he sucks. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and then uh, we also have Andrew and Sarah. And then we have a bunch of new Twitch subs as well. So I appreciate you guys. If you guys haven't already, check us out on YouTube. Drop a sub. Um, check out the videos. You can check out the full catalog. 
And yeah, the oh, drop us a review on uh, on iTunes. We have any new ones that we want to read? Yeah, we got two. We got a couple new ones. Uh, first one says, "I was looking for a new podcast to listen to on my morning commute to work. I've always been interested in ghost stories, so I looked up ghost stories on the Apple Store. First episode I listened to was the Sally House, and believe me, I was hooked." They do a great job telling the story, reading it like an audiobook, and I was surprised to hear them talk about it after. Talk about it after. Was a little skeptical at first, but not let down. It's really cool to see how everyone has their own take on it. If you're looking for an informative podcast about hauntings in small towns like San Diego, this one is for you. Also, love hearing the local ones from here in New England. So we are also New England-based, so you'll be hearing a lot of those. Yes, indeed. And uh, the other one is titled Best Paranormal Podcast Show Ever, which... Blew my mind that people are already referring to us as the best ever. And it says, uh, this has quickly become my favorite podcast by far, which thank you very much because we do put a lot of work into this. So it's amazing to hear that. I've been binging it ever since I discovered it a week ago. Love the music, the intros to the episodes, the voices, and the detailed histories given. I've always been a bit obsessed with paranormal stories, phenomenon, and this podcast definitely checks off all the boxes for me. You guys are awesome. So a solid review. I'm gonna get that tattooed. On my, I'm gonna get that one tattooed on my back. I know. Yeah, absolutely. You could, you could get the one that says "Great storytelling, but too much chit chat." After that's another review. It's a podcast. 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 Thank you for the four star review. Thank you for taking your time to to write the review. But uh, yeah, we are a podcast, so we well, do at have this to at talk. this point, that person is probably tuned out anyways. I don't want to hear the chit chat. <laughs> <after. laughs> no way they're still here. <laughs> oh hey, I mean, be honest with us. It's okay. But if you could leave a five star review next time instead, that would be great, even better. But that's fine. That's fine. So uh, thank you guys. Keep those reviews coming. We'll read them good and bad on air. And. Uh, um, and thanks to everyone that came and checked out the live stream tonight and hung in with us and uh, asked questions and, you know, all that fun stuff as well. Absolutely. So that'll do it. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday. We don't have any side content this week. What are we doing every other week? We do. We have, side content? We, have, we have side content every week now is the oh, game plan. All right. So um, we will be doing. Oh, oh my God. We're about to record it. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> Yeah, we're doing. We're going to do our first Curse Possession side episode. Uh, we're re- releasing that probably tomorrow or Thursday on Patreon. Then we'll release it two days later on YouTube and iTunes. We're going to do a side story about the Hope Diamond and the history of it, which I thought was going to be stupid. And then I researched it, and I was freaking shocked with what I found on it. So come check out that. Sounds good. And then uh, next week we have Amityville. 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 Yep. Amityville, the history, which is brutal, and the ghost story, and also a small little segment that I put in at the end, which is just me shooting holes in some of the quote unquote debunked, the debunkers theories. So I'm excited for that one. That'll be a little bit of a different one. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we took a small break this week with uh, some lighter stories. Now it's back to uh, right back mass to murder, <laughs> mass murder, yes. <laughs> and then um, awesome. And then it, it, I also want to thank people that that tuned in and checked out Dave and Rob's horror movie review that dropped on Friday. A little different, um, different kind of episode, little side content there. I watched almost all of it because I didn't want to ruin Scream for myself, so I I listened to it and then I skipped over that one. But that was Fair. the. That was that, and then I'll, I'll go back and, and listen to your review after I watch. Maybe I'll watch that tonight. So, uh, thank you guys again for tuning in. This has been episode number 23 of Hometown Ghost Stories. 
San Diego. San Diego. And, <laughs> and Jesse alluded to it earlier. I'm, we're just going to tease it until we actually release it. But we have something big in the works. So Yes. So stay tuned. Yes. Stay tuned indeed. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in. See you.